0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. A few of you are good. The rest of you are not sure. Well, we are glad, and we just want to welcome you to New Life. We are glad that you're here this morning. Uh, I'm Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for joining us this morning uh, in worship. How many people love Indiana Jones? Anybody? Woo! Awesome. Yes. I'm a, I'm a part of the 80s, so woo! Yes. So you were probably... Before that, but hey, I, it was, it's, it's part of my era, I guess. So, today we're, we're starting a new sermon series called Relics. How many people love relics? How many people love history? Like, that was your favorite subject in high school was history. That was mine. And so today, hopefully you, uh, maybe you didn't bring your history books, but, uh, I'm gonna just give you some history today. We're gonna be talking about, uh, relics. Throughout history, man has been on a quest. In search of relics. They've been searching for ancient artifacts um, from the time of Christ. Many people search for relics because they're looking for the power behind these relics. There's, sometimes there's power that people believe that are associated with them. Um, and so they search after them. There have been movies like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark um, that have been written about relics. Um, there's been books that have been written. There's also been uh, dictators such as Hitler and other dictators that were on search and had people that were always just searching after these lost relics, specifically Hitler, they were looking for the Holy Lance or the Holy Spirit that stabbed Jesus in the side. And so today we're going to continue to look at the, we're going to start this new series on relics today. We're going to be looking at a specific relic um, that is, is... It's one that we're about ready to lead up to. We're in the series Relics for the next seven weeks, leading up even through and past Easter. But today, one of the relics that we're going to be looking at has to deal with Easter. But today, there's several several reasons why people um, are interested in relics. If you're like me, sometimes when I read the Bible, I wonder, did did the authors leave out anything? Is everything really the way that they said it happened? Or the way everything looked? The way that they said it did. Sometimes people are, are interested in relics because of, uh, they're skeptical. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're, you're, you're one of those people that are like, man, if, if they find all the pieces and they put it together, then I can believe. But my question then is why faith? Cause, cause God has called us to live by faith. God is, is wanting us to desire Him, the creator, over His created. And that's really our heart today as we look at the series relics. So today, We're going to go on a hunt for a lost relic. Everybody ready? All right, cool. Here we go. So today, here's a little bit of history of the relic that we're searching after. Today, the relic that we're searching for has been tracked since 400 AD, starting in Jerusalem. It was sold in 1239 to King Louis IX of France. Today, you need to know that there are only a few remnants of the original today. There's only a few pieces of what we're looking for today. Today, what we're looking for, does anybody know? The crown of thorns, well, man, you guys are good. Was it up there? Oh, no, maybe it was in the bulletin today. Maybe you read it. I'm not that good. I didn't keep you that suspenseful. But the crown of thorns, in the picture today of the crown of thorns, many of us, we see it as a, as a ringlet, right? That's what we see when you watch The Passion of the Christ or any videos or movies that have to do with, with Christ, we see a ringlet. But historians tell us that it would have probably been more like a thorny cap that they would have placed over Jesus' Jesus's head. But why do we only see just a ringlet? That's because because what historians have told us is is because of the beating that Jesus took and the blows to the head that he took. That was just the remnant. That was just the pieces that were left of the of the crown of the the sculpt the sculpture of the head of thorns that was placed on Jesus. Today it was just that's all we that's all they have left. Was what we see is just the ring. Today the crown of thorns it's on display in Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And it's shown to the public the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m., the hour of Christ's death. They're going to show you in a minute. They're going to show you this. This is what goes on display every Friday at 3 p.m., the first Friday of every month. And then during Lent, it's, it's visual. They have a big ceremony where people come in, and they, and they can come, and they can see as they bring it out. And these are just remnants. These are just pieces that are left. Most of what they tell us about the crown of thorns is, is uh, most of it's, it's third class, the first actual pieces of the of the thorns have been, the first original pieces have been attached from um, over time. And these third class thorns have been placed with the original. Because what they did is what they've done over time is they've taken these thorns and they've given them out to different cathedrals. They've given them out to different priests. And they've blessed them and said, hey, these are the remnants, these are the pieces that actually touched touched Christ's flesh. And so they've broken them off. So today we just have small pieces that are left of the crown of thorns. So today, what's the power of the thorns? What's the power behind it? The value, this is the principal value that you need to know. It was used as a visual tool, tool to assist in devotion to Christ by making his sacrifice more vivid in the mind. There's no actual power in the thorns. They don't do anything. There's no power that has to do with the crown of thorns. But the power That really comes is the is the the vision that it gives us. I know when I watch, when I think of 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 Jesus, when I think of the passion of the Christ, the picture that really just sticks out to me, that I always see is is the picture where Jesus is carrying the cross, with the with the with the crown of thorns on his head and and the and the blood just running down his face. That's the picture that I see with the crown of thorns, and that's really that's the depiction and the power of the crown of thorns of what they were, what was trying to be communicated to us. Also, it reminds me to be prayerful and thankful for what Christ has already done. No matter what I go through in my life, I can be thankful because Christ has paid it all. And that's really what we're going to look at, the real power of God, the power and the authority of our King today. So what is the truth to discover today? For Christians, for believers, the crown of thorns is a reminder. Jesus was And is indeed a king. Today, the crown of thorns. Crowns have always been a sign of authority and kingship. Charlemagne, whom historians say should deserve to be called the great above all others. He wore an octagonal crown. Massive crown. In a minute, they're going to bring it up and show you a picture. Each of the eight sides was a plaque of gold. And each plaque was studded with emeralds, sapphires, and pearls. It was a massive piece they said it, it cost a king's ransom, a, a massive crown. Another, another king, Richard the Lionheart, he had a crown so heavy that two dukes had to stand on both sides of him and hold his head up so his head wouldn't fall over. Massive crowns. Uh, the crown that Queen Elizabeth wears today is over two million or twenty million dollars. Edward II once owned nine crowns. It was something of a record. No other king had had that many crowns. But today we need to understand putting them all together from all over Europe and from all the archives of the East, all of them are but trinkets compared to the crown that Christ wore. Revelations 19 says this, on his head are many crowns. He wears a crown of righteousness. He wears a crown of glory. He wears a crown of life. He wears the crown of peace and of power. See, among those crowns, however, one outshines the rest. It's not one that is worth very much money in the sense of gold or silver. It was not formed by skillful fingers of a silversmith, nor created by a genius of craftsmen. It was put together by the rough hands of Roman soldiers. It was not placed upon its wearer's head in splendor or in a ceremony. But in the hollow mockery of ridicule and blasphemy, it's the crown of thorns. Today, in John 19, it says, The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hailing King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. That's the crown of thorns that our Savior wore. So why the crown of thorns? Many of us ask, why, why a crown of thorns? What's what's the importance? What's the symbolism? What do we really need to know Today today, you need to know that the significant, this is a significant piece, that the thorns are a product of the curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, they brought upon a curse upon humanity and upon the world. So Genesis three, seventeen through 19 says this, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. This is, we need to, we need to go back through and look at this because this is, there's some intriguing things in, in this piece of of scripture. It says, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you, what happens when we break a commandment of God? When we disobey, we sin. So you need to know that there's a correlation between thorns and sin. When you break God's command, you sin. Another thing that we look at, it says, um, all of your life you will struggle. What happens in life when you struggle? There's sorrow, there's pain, there's grief, there's hurt. There's a correlation between the thorns of sin. And struggle. And if you move on to verse, I believe it's 18. No, by 19, it says, by the sweat of your brow, you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground. So today, you need to know that the, what lines up the signs of the thorns mean three things. Sin, sorrow, and sweat. So what the soldiers used as thorns to mock Christ through mockery, God shows us even more today. How Jesus bore our sins. So when God put our sins upon Christ, what a bit, what a better picture and symbol than putting thorns on his head. It's very powerful today. What Christ did for us. He bore our sin, our sorrow, and our sweat. Second Corinthians 521 says this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Can anybody say amen? That's, that's huge today. That Christ would come and He would bear our sin, our sorrows, and our sweat today. But also, it just doesn't talk about a crown or just talk about thorns. It says crown of thorns. So let's look at the, look at this, make this correlation between if, if God is the king over the thorns, what does that really mean? So the fact that Jesus wore a crown of thorns can only mean three things. He's king over my sin. He's king over my sorrow. And he's king over my sweat and my toil today. That's the kind of king that we serve. That he's over all of my cares, over everything that I will encompass or run into in this world. God is king. He's taken it all. So today... The first piece, he's king over my sin. Today, I can be thankful that he's king over my sin. There's moments in life where people want to remind me of my sin. Do you ever have people like that in your life? They're like, oh, remember when you did this? Yeah, I have moments. Sometimes my wife does that. Remember? I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it. Sometimes the enemy comes to me and says, hey, remember. He wants me to walk in condemnation or guilt or shame. wants me to doubt the power of Christ. But today, I can walk with great boldness As Christ is my king, that he has the power over my sin. That when I admit my sins and when I repent of my sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And it's just not he just forgives me of my sins, but through the blood of Christ, they're washed away. I'm made new. There's moments, I don't know if your house looks anything like my house, but when I, when I When I come to my wife and I know I've wronged her and I apologize and I'm like, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? There's moments where she comes to me and goes, well, you don't sound sorry. I don't know how sorry sounds. I'm sorry. Well, you don't look sorry. Well, how does sorry look? I don't know. There's moments in our lives where not all of us forgive as quick as Jesus does, right? Right? There's moments where when we hurt people that they don't always forgive as quickly as Jesus. So I want to remind you that even though you ask for forgiveness and you've hurt somebody, you have to give them some time to walk through the process. So you need to know tonight, or tonight, tonight. I'm, usually I'm talking to youth, so it's always at night, to this morning. I'm, today you need to know this. Christ's role was to die for our sins. God the Father's role was to accept Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf and forgive us. Today, the Holy Spirit's role is to enable us to do things in this Christian life that we cannot do on our own, namely, forgiving others. Today, if you you struggle with forgiving others, you're walking in sin as well. But through Christ, because of the power and the kingship that he has, the authority that he has, he's given us the Holy Spirit. To help us through the process of forgiving others. It's very difficult. It takes time. But today I want, I just want to encourage us that he's the, to remind us that he's the the king over our sin. Secondly, he's the king over my sorrow. This world, in, in the Bible it says in this world you'll have many troubles. It'll be difficult. Families experience divorce. Families experience the loss of loved ones, of children. Many of us have been experienced cancer or disease or we probably lost someone t- to the disease. Students are being bullied, abused, neglect, poverty. The list can go on and on and on. Sometimes those sorrows, they want to change your perspective on how you view God. Sometimes when you're, you're living in so much deep sorrow and pain and hurt that you ask God why. And you wonder, God, have you forsaken me? Have you forgotten about me? Do you not care about me? Today, I just want to encourage you to don't let your sorrow change the way you view God. For 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But I understand that even though there's moments where we're so close to hurt and pain and sorrow that it's very difficult to pray or to rejoice, to pray without ceasing any of those things. Today, he rules over our sorrows. Today, I'm glad that I can come to a father, to a king who's concerned with my sorrows. But it's just not about getting relief because I'm praying to God No, you need to know this. It's the fact that you're praying to the one who is over your sorrows. He's God over your grief, and he's the master over your mourning. So instead of turning your back on him, grow closer through these times of sorrow. Will you seek God in these times of sorrow? Last, is he king over your sweat? I'm not talking about a workout. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, he's king over my sweat. Yeah, some of you, you probably need him to be king over your sweat. You find yourself looking in the mirror a lot, looking at your physique. Oh, yes, I am beautiful. Today, we're talking about your toil, your job, your daily schedules, your deadlines. Is 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 Christ the King over your sweat and your toil? Do you run your life? Do you run your agenda? Or do you allow Christ to be a part to lead and guide your agenda? There's moments where I, I, I always ask myself, okay, do I just get up and do my daily devotions and pray in the morning or do I just do them at night? And I'm always reminded that I just need to be seeking God and talking to God all throughout the day, every hour, every moment, no matter what I'm going through. Just taking time just to connect with God. Letting Him be King. There's other moments where He's King over our sweat. There's things in life that cause us to fear, to doubt, we get anxious. You get afraid. I get nervous sometimes about my finances and it causes me to do things that I, that I probably, I become more aggravated than I normally need to or, you know, say things to people that I shouldn't. There's moments in those lives where I just got to give it back over to God. He's king, king over those things that cause you to feel fear and worry today. Psalms 138, 8 says this, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. That perfect is Christ will see to completion whatever it is you're going through. He will walk with you through the process. He will make it perfect. Now, it may not look the way you want it to look or it may not happen the way you thought it would happen, but Christ will walk with you through the process. So today, is he king over your cares? We're talking about sin, sin, Sorrow, sweat. He cares about you. So are you allowing him to be the king over your cares today? Whatever it is that's trying to rise up in your life, whatever that's trying to just consume you, will you allow him to be the king over your cares? Maybe today you've come with great pain and sorrow. Today, will you allow God to be your comforter? I've got a few verses that I believe because of who Christ is, we can stand firm on these, and they can bring great comfort. First Peter 5, 7 says this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. This give all your worries, it doesn't say give portion. It's talking about trusting him fully, giving all of your worries and all of your cares to him. Trusting him completely, that he has what's best for you and for your family. Psalms 55, 22 says this, Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Today he's for you. If you're for him, he's calling you godly. He's saying he's not going to let you slip and fall. Whatever burdens you may have, he wants to take them and carry them with you. And 2 Corinthians twelve nine says this, My grace, my grace is sufficient for thee. My unmerited, his unmerited favor that you don't deserve, that you didn't do anything for. His grace is enough. It's enough to lift you up out of the miry clay. It's enough to set your feet upon the rock. It's, it's enough for you today. Are you allowing Christ to be enough for you? See, the power is found in a king who bore the crown of thorns and is king over all of our cares. Every storm, every problem, every situation, every crisis, every difficult situation, every disappointment, everything that concerns you, today we don't have to worry, we don't have to fret, we don't have to lose our temper, lose our cool, lose our mind even, you don't have to have a nervous breakdown, nor do you have to get depressed or discouraged or live in despair. Even though the soldiers did it mockingly, there is hope found in a crown of thorns on Christ's head. The power is found in Jesus through God that lets us know that he is the king over the thorns in our life. Is he your king today? Today I'm going to just close with a story. Today, there's a there's a wealthy man and his son who loved to collect rare works of art. How many people love art? Any people out there? There's a number of you. They had everything in their art collection from Picasso's to Raphael. They would often sit together, this son and this dad, And they would admire the great works of art that they had collected. But when the Vietnam War broke out, the son went off to war. He was very courageous. He said, Dad, I need to go serve my country. The young man died in battle while trying to rescue another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his only son, then a month later, there was a knock at the door. A young man stood at the door with a big package. He said, Sir, you don't know me, but I'm the soldier from whom your son was trying to save. Your son was carrying me to safety, and a bullet struck him, and he died. Sir you need to know that your son often talked about you He loved your art He loved you And the young man was holding this package And he says Sir I believe your son would want you to have this I know it's not worth much And I'm not an artist But I'd like you to have this The father opened the package It was a portrait of his son Painted by the young man He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes of the son that even his own eyes began to well up with tears as he remembered his son. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. But the man said, oh no, sir, I can never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift to you. So the father takes the picture and goes over to over the mantle of the fireplace and takes down the Picasso and hangs the picture of his son. And as people would come to the house, he would take them right to the picture. People would come to say, Hey, show me your art gallery. Show me all of the, the special high-dollar art pieces. And he'd be like, No, you gotta come and see this piece. And he always would take them the picture of the sun several years later the the old man passed away there was to be a great auction of his paintings many influential people gathered were excited yes finally we can see these paintings finally we can have a chance to bid on these on the platform sat sat a painting of the sun. It came auction day, and there's the picture of the sun. And the auctioneer comes, and he pounds his gavel, and he says, let's get this auction started. Who will give me $100 for the picture of the sun? And all these influential people are like, didn't say anything. He said, who will give me $200 for this picture? of the sun and the people became angry and they're like nobody cares about the sun we didn't come for the sun we came for the Picassos we didn't come for this and they were angry he said well who will give me somebody give me anything for the sun and this little old guy in the back Said, I'm a neighbor. I'm a neighbor of these, of the son and of the father. And I knew them. I don't have much money, but I'll give you ten dollars for the son. He's like, okay. Well, who will give me, anybody give me twenty dollars? The people became angry. Just give the guy the picture for ten dollars. And he said, all right, going once, going twice, sold for $10. All the people were excited. They were like, yes, finally we can get to why we came. For all the special art pieces. And the auctioneer, he's like, I'm sorry, folks, the auction's over. They're like, excuse me? We've we've flown all over the world to come to this auction And he said, ladies and gentlemen, there was a strict stipulation in the will that whoever gets the son gets it all. Today, if you choose the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you get it all. He doesn't withhold anything from you. Today, will you choose the king? He's king over your sin you're living in sin he wants to bring freedom he doesn't want you just to keep circling the wagons and circling around the trail and just keep going no he wants to break the line of sin so that you can be free your sorrow your pain your hurt I'm not asking you to minimize it but Christ wants to give you healing and comfort today over your sweat wants to be king over your worries today will you choose the king whoever chooses the king gets it all today i'm going to pray and then the worship team will come and we'll just worship god today we thank you for your love and your grace god we thank you for the crown of thorns which depict a picture of torment and mockery but God you you used it you saw it you were not caught off guard by what the Roman soldiers were doing God you created it from the beginning as the thorns represent our sin our sorrow and our sweat and God you willing we sent your son to carry it all to be king over it all so God we find great victory and joy in serving you knowing that nothing is impossible with you God, today, I ask that you would be with us as we worship. May we willingly surrender and lay our lives down so that you can rebuild us and make us new. That the old would be gone and the new would come. And it can only be found in you. Lord, we love you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name. would you stand with me and worship?